0: Welcome to our spiritual spotlight series, where we explore the vast and mysterious world of spirituality. Whether you're seeking guidance on your spiritual journey, interested in learning more about different spiritual practices and beliefs, or simply looking for inspiration to deepen your connection with the divine, this is a show just for you. Join us as we delve into topics such as mindfulness, meditation, manifestation, energy healing, and much more. Our aim is to provide a safe and inclusive space for all listeners to explore their spirituality and connect with like minded individuals. So grab a cup of tea, get comfortable, and let's journey together on the path of spiritual awakening. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Spiritual Spotlight Series. Today, I am joined by Joseph Patrick Fair. He's an author and writer in the field of self-help and police fiction. His books focus on overcoming adversity, confronting inner demons, and living life fully. Thank you so much for coming on the Spiritual Spotlight Series. I'm so happy you're here.
1: Thank you, Rachel. It's my honor to come on, and uh, let's have an interesting conversation.
0: I love it. So before we talk about um, your book, To Die a Hero, I want to ask you this. So you've had a fascinating journey of transitioning from police fiction to self-help. What initially drew you to these distinct genres and how do you see them intersecting in your work?
1: Yes, uh, I went to police fiction at the very beginning because I was told by my writing coach start out writing what you know. And, uh, well, I did police work and I was a firefighter also. I kept, uh, notes, uh, little uh, binder with ideas, mostly stories that I experienced, some that people told me I said, wow, that's a great story. It's got great engagement. Uh, So I had uh, that binder. I retired. I got my pension, was a little bored for about a month, said, I'm going to write a book. Uh, So I went on LinkedIn and said, hey, I, I need a resource here. I need a writing coach. Uh, got connected with Susan and then she looked through the binder and a Google doc I had, and she said, you definitely got a book here. It's just going to take a lot of work to get it right. Uh, So that was about three years ago Uh, after releasing the book and having that experience, I connected with people online and somebody said, well, you should write some self-help and uh, I connected with oneness magazine Uh, I wrote about three different articles for them. Eventually they connected me with somebody on staff and uh, we wrote a beautiful article uh, overcoming adversity and in uh, in oneness magazine. So uh, the pivot was through uh, networking with people and getting advice uh, from other uh, readers.
0: So you brought up two very interesting points. One, you're a police officer and a firefighter. And two, I like that you were bored for one month of your retirement and then yes. decided to do something else.
1: I, I said I have to write a book. Correct.
0: <laughs> so with being a police officer, um, something that we talked about before we got started was that you had um, a soft touch. And I would like you to kind of tell me a little bit more about that. And what exactly did that does that mean for you and maybe in your police work?
1: Yeah. In police work, there's a lot of discretion on how you're going to handle a call. You go to a 911 call often, let's say it's a barking dog. Um, you take a complaint from the person for the noise, you go to the person that's the dog, uh, you explain to them, okay, this could be disturbing peace. Uh, there's a way that you can interact with people and build trust. And, uh, Never, never really step out to the authority side of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Approach it more like uh, I want to be your friend and I want to mentor you more than screaming barking commands at people. Uh, There's a couple different ways uh, to do law enforcement. Uh, When I went to a 911 call, I tried to get a feel for what is the minimal necessary force and the minimal necessary communication to solve the problem and help the community. And then ended at that. Uh, that's really the style piece work I did, and uh, built a lot of friends. And always knew in my community uh, had a good standing. Could count on people to help me if I needed help in my community.
0: I love that, and I think being a police officer, having a soft touch, is so important because you're such a valuable member of the community. And to meet people where they're at, I think is such a valuable resource. I'm, th- I'm thinking about myself. I, I manage a doctor's office and I'm like, man, I wish you could come in and do some training.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it really gets down to, uh, this, this will upset a few people when they hear it. It really gets down to managing your own ego and your own self-perception. It really has to do with, uh, I'm just another human being. I'm here to serve. I have a servant's heart. I want a good result. Uh, I want the highest possible result for everybody involved, opposed to that other thing if you're in a doctor's office, uh, you know, that occasionally people talk down at each other and there's no good outcome out of that experience.
0: That's very valuable advice to like take your ego out of it and take your whatever personal things you have going on. And you're one hundred percent correct. When I when I'm not in my ego, I can have really good, meaningful conversations. And when I'm not, it's I need to work on it.
1: (laughs) We all have a little thing inside of us that can get tripped, and and when we know when we meditate a little bit and find that thing, and we know where our soft spot is, uh, then we become much better at talking to people and not getting reactive. Uh, I could think back to a time, maybe when I was 14 or 15, I had a lot of little things in there. It was really easy to trip me up. And as I got to be 30 or 40 is uh, way better at that. I think people should focus on looking inside a little Mm -hmm. bit, figure out where that soft spot is, and then hopefully let go of that energy of maybe a wound or something you had in childhood uh, to make you a better communicator.
0: So with talking about that, looking for the soft spot, I know one of the things that you have really practiced is meditating, and you may have struggled with having a busy mind. Can you tell the listeners maybe how you identified the soft spot, and then how were you able to kind of calm your mind and calm your body to have a good meditative practice?
1: Yes, um, it uh, it really gets down to, for me... When I get up in the morning, I can kind of set the day where the day is gonna go. And often I wake up in the morning and uh, instead of having four cups of coffee, I might have two, then I do my deep breathing. Uh, Then I do a guided uh, visualization. And then what I have found is that there's different resources on YouTube, different Mm -hmm. places. You can buy Headspace app or whatnot. Uh, I've got to get my mind into more of a peaceful thing, uh, thinking about peace and love and joy and connection, opposed to turning on the news and getting stirred up by headlines and whatnot. So uh, taking ownership of where I'm at in the morning, Mm -hmm. how long I need to meditate to get to a peaceful state. And then when I feel completely peaceful and I write out my to-do list for the day, Uh, I'm ready to go. There was a time before I did what I call preparation work, then the work would stir me up. Mm -hmm. And then in the afternoon, maybe I was upset. I couldn't do any more. So take inventory of the mindset, do enough meditation to get into peace and then monitor it to the day. Occasionally in the afternoon, I will lay back down and listen to Louise Hayes or something to Mm -hmm. get re uh but it's getting honest i got to get honest where my yeah. where my is at and then i got to take action to fix it
0: oh i love that i will say that even today i i listen to mindset training every like almost every day even when i'm at work i'm always playing something like just to recenter remind myself okay go within, go within. I like that. I like that. You have a really solid practice. That's amazing. The, uh, the,
1: the work by uh, Michael Singer, it's called the untethered soul. Uh, when he gets into that thing and explains that we all have a monkey mind and it really wants to protect us. It wants to see hazards and tell us to turn left here and right here, or let this phone call go to voicemail or pick this one up. Uh, When I learned that practice of uh, getting back from that, detaching from the monkey mind and observing it, uh, boy, that's done a lot for my meditation and uh, getting peace in there. I would recommend anybody struggling with meditation, go look at that Mm. material he's put on the internet. It's a
0: great book. It's a great
1: book book and he has a podcast and he kind of explains that thing why people can get obsessing And their mind obsesses on worry and then they get embedded in that hard to pull out of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So with over a decade of writing experience, you emphasize resilience, confronting inner demons and fully living life. Maybe what are some personal experiences that have influenced this theme focus in your books?
1: yes uh in my life uh i struggled with the problem with alcohol i had to go to AA and uh get sober and uh overcoming adversity i learned a lot about overcoming adversity through failure with attempts to quit an addiction and uh, i came around to this idea when i finally got 15 years of continuous sobriety that um our mental state each day needs maintenance we can't just uh I'm a little bit like a car or something or brushing our teeth daily I take inventory. Where am I at? How stressed am I? How much work should I do? Do I need a day to go on vacation? What not? So uh, I believe overcoming adversity facing demons, and all that comes from life or God giving us the opportunity to face our own, figure out how we did it and then help other people do the same.
0: Oh, I think that's amazing. So Your writing is described as bridging a gap between the lived experiences of your readers and the possibilities ahead. How do you balance narrating authentic experiences while infusing them with hope and optimism?
1: Yes, that's a very great question and a very complex question, but I'm going to try to try to uh, put this in just the simplest way possible. Um, What I have learned through writing is that often part of the struggle that we have in life is our mind is a little disorganized and uh the more disorganized it is it's probably the harder it is for us to stick to a goal uh complete something a project something like that and writing of any kind in a journal uh writing out your ideas looking at a piece of paper reading it every day whatever can focus our mind and can give us little um I guess there there sparks a hope that uh, on a spiritual level, I should take, uh, I have a problem, A, I have a problem, B, I have a solution, I should connect that problem and solution together, and then that done on a small basis, day by day, gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then we can face bigger challenges, but I like to say, maybe like the first day, you're jumping over hurdles, and then the next day, you're running, over the hurdle. And a month or a year later, you're teaching somebody how to jump over hurdles on a track. And a person's got to be patient with themselves and realize, here's, uh, get, get honest about what you've had, the experiences you've had, what you've learned, and then that convey that to other people.
0: That is amazing. So let me ask you this. Um, The book that we see in your background is To Die a Hero. This is the first book in the End of Watch series. Can you give us a sneak peek into the inspiration behind this series and what readers can expect from this book and future installments?
1: Yes. uh, The book is a classic. Joseph Campbell's uh, Hero's Journey is a fiction book uh, in the interest of avoiding conflict. And uh, what I did when I first wrote the outline of the book. Is I really asked myself what would what what things that I experienced or heard or talked to people really gripped me and maybe even uh dragged me down emotionally uh weakened me uh figured out that what stirred me on the inside something that made the hair stand on end uh something that I struggle with or going to a call maybe the next day I got up and I had trouble facing another 911 call I looked at what really had an effect on me, and that's what went into that uh, outline. And in most books, you have uh, a problem, a cliffhanger, and a solution, and it's got three acts, and each cliffhanger gets a little worse with a problem and a solution. And uh, if anybody's interested in buying the book, they can grab it on on Amazon. Uh, It really explains uh, from a intellectual perspective, what a police officer faces every day and uh, probably gives somebody a good uh, look if they were to ride along with a police officer and see what they go through every day. Probably gives them a good visual picture of what that's like.
0: Oh, that sounds amazing. Like I wouldn't, I would have no idea what it's like to be a police officer, just my own assumed thoughts. But this is like, this is like a, an account of, I like that. Yeah, That's It's a little bit,
1: it's a little bit reading the book. What people have told me reading the book is a little bit like watching the old version of cops on Fox, uh, where you'll get these, uh, little blurbs and you'll see, see people at some of their best at moments and some people at their worst. And a few police officers, uh, exercising grace and yeah. a few of them falling from grace and, uh, uh, quite a few people have wrote me glowing reviews. I I am so fortunate on Amazon, it's 4.7 out of five. And uh, there's a lady in Chicago, she's put anonymous in the thing, but she wrote out about a two pager on there. And she basically explained that uh, the book touched her in a very deep way and that she was gripped by it. So that's why I write uh, the commercial aspect and uh, connecting with uh, my readers.
0: I love that, and honestly, I mean, right now, unfortunately, some police officers have a stigma against them. You know, it just it's not a very good reputation, unfortunately. And this sounds like it is kind of debunking some of these thoughts and debunk- perceive
1: It's debunking, and if I may say, uh, the uh, the media probably twists uh, certain things, and uh, I'm not here to uh, debate any other things that are in the media, but I am here to say that. Everybody I worked with uh, came into work every day with the right attitude, did all the right things for all the right reasons, and wanted to improve the community. And uh, everybody out there deserves a police force like that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's amazing. So let me ask you this. As a mentor and a speaker, you've shared numerous inspiring stories with audiences worldwide. Can you maybe share a particular moment or feedback that reaffirmed your purpose in this domain?
1: Yes, I I think of all the things I've spoken on and read on, the thing where I can add the most value is uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, I have a chapter on that. I have a a beautiful magazine article at Heroes Media Group, uh, which is a digital print magazine by Adam Bird. Um, I had... Uh, an experience in my life where people talked about post-traumatic stress. Then I got into public safety. Then I had experiences that brought me to post-traumatic stress. Mm -hmm. Then I discovered probably most people don't understand what it is, how to help people, and um, how to possibly solve that problem. I'll give a simple overview that what really causes post-traumatic stress in most cases is a person works too often – they work too much overtime, they go to a very difficult call, they don't process that call, and they go to a secondary call, this worse. And that's my experience for me, mm-hmm. what happened to me that triggered it. If I hadn't been working the overtime, if I had a time window between the two heavy calls to process the first one, to go to the second one, it probably would have happened to me Uh, So post-traumatic stress gets into a lot of complicated things. If you're somebody who is around somebody that has post-traumatic stress, uh, the thing to keep in mind is the best thing you can do is try to uh, talk them in to get into a counselor. Mm. It doesn't really matter who the counselor is, just somebody, if it was a spiritual person, preacher, or a Sports therapist, psychologist, possibly even a, a doctor, get them to the resources. Let them grieve out that pain, feel those emotions, process this, and get into a healthier place. Uh, what most people don't realize is, occasionally, in post-traumatic stress, um, somebody's having a flashback, and their mind is actually captured in that moment, and that's why they behave so so bizarre because they're sort of reliving that. Uh, struggle that freeze moment or that, that fight moment. And, uh, they do need to get to a counselor to solve that.
0: That is very interesting. And <laughs> I don't know about you, but working through COVID and having to be like kind of one of the first responders, I definitely feel like I'll, even now, like we're still going through post-traumatic stress and like, it's just these like it's feelings. And and I like how you put that. It's it's like a series of events that lead you to kind of cycling over and over this moment that you need yeah. to get some sort of either spiritual or professional help to kind of release it. And I didn't, I like that. I like the way you put I, that.
1: I'm not a doctor, but I, I hypothesized one day that if somebody gets to a complete adrenaline rush, where they go up the adrenaline they dump and then they go into uh, that adrenaline dump and then they go to another call and they're completely out of fuel. Their adrenaline gland's done. Uh, They feel different. It's substantially heavier. I can't put into words why that is when the energy is there and you rise to the occasion, that adrenaline feels good. But when the adrenaline is empty and you can't rise to the occasion, there's a lot of frustration there. And uh, I would like to see some type of psych- psych- uh, scientific study, if, if it could ever be done, to figure out the connection between adrenaline fatigue and post-traumatic stress disorder.
0: Absolutely. That's, that's very interesting. I, I'm like... I'm being a scientist out here to test this yeah
1: yeah we we need somebody to write out uh somebody who's qualified to write out a study i'm not Guys. sure how you do that study it might be very unethical we to could write probably
0: out. no but the thing is like honestly you could draw labs like i'm sitting here yep. thinking like you could draw labs and really test it out and you just could like, look okay. at
1: the blood you could you could no. have somebody at adrenal fatigue and failure and uh, draw the blood and look at the cortisol and then you probably would get something and then figure out how many people at that level go into post-traumatic stress. And then we will know what that connection is. And then I believe the solution, if there's anybody out there listening uh, that probably public safety officers need more time off and uh, this 12 hour shift thing that people fall into it probably needs to be changed. And then uh, that other thing, they should be able to put their hand up when they know that they're spent, put their hand up in the middle of uh, uh, a shift yeah. and uh, go home, let supervisor take over.
0: I 100% agree with you. And and I will say it's not just for public safety. I can even see it in medicine, in the medicine, amount of providers that I hear that they're so burnt out. And it's just, just it's this 24 seven mentality. Yep. And us, as humans is taken out of the equation. It's just you just keep moving and moving, and that it gets becomes very stressful,
1: very so, stressful all
0: right we're gonna we're gonna uh wait on joseph uh to <laughs> go on <out> the <to> study <laughs> with a scientist. I love this <laughs> we'll,
1: we'll get a lab coat scientist, and then where they go to uh yeah to adrenal fatigue uh we'll have a uh we'll have a uh, a nurse right out yeah labs right oh, i'm and a
0: registered we, nurse i'm good we got write it. out the
1: labs draw the blood and look at the cortisol and we'll Listen, collect the data I already got this. We'll, we'll write the paper
0: Guys, see us in scientific journal in yes. about five years. <laughs> it'll, it'll,
1: it'll be there. Somebody will do it. And, 100%. Uh, somebody else may, somebody may have done They're already working
0: on it. So let me similar. ask, I love that. So let me ask you this. One of the things that you do offer is you have personal um, writing career coaching. Um, yes, it offers an exciting avenue for budding authors. What's the most common piece of advice you may find yourself giving to those looking to break into the writing industry?
1: Yes, uh, anybody interested in breaking into the writing industry uh, should uh, ask themselves if they have a unique story. They should ask themselves if their story is similar to someone else's or if it's unique. Uh, The sheer value of bringing a book to market has to do with a unique experience. I think, um, let's just say, uh, if somebody had lived a life that was maybe... Uh, semi-charmed, had never broke a nail or stressed or uh, had stress, they may not be able to write a gripping book. It is mm-hmm. actually, it's the pain and suffering. So if you really want the honest answer, somebody that's had some tragedy in their life, they, they're pretty much guaranteed to write a really good book and get a good commercial response. And that is uh, the thing. The other thing I would say to people is start out with a magazine article or a blog post or something, and then uh, build a author platform, and then write a book. It's way easier to get the book sold if you've already have a few other things. I work with people all the time to get them a blog post or a magazine article, get them warmed up, uh, introduce them to other writers, and then write a book after that.
0: I love that. That I mean, it sounds like, every. I mean, a lot of people have ideas to write a book, but I like that it's more personalized approach and yeah. you're actually connecting them and you're helping them. I, that's, that's really amazing.
1: So, I can, uh, oh, yeah. let me pause you for a minute, yeah, uh, to get, to get anybody past the fear of it. I can start a Google doc with anybody anywhere in the world that might be listening. We started, start, a, start a Google doc. You put in your idea. I put in my idea. We work together. We uh, make a good article out of it, and it can all be done online, on Zoom, and never have to meet in person, and it's very economical. Some people I work with with a small deposit, so I'm sorry, commercial here, but yes, anybody that wants to write, contact me.
0: So let me ask you this. If anybody does want to um, write or have more um, with your books, or you have all these amazing articles online, what is the best place for them to go to?
1: The best place to go is Joseph Fair at LinkedIn. Uh, They'll want to connect with me on LinkedIn and possibly send me a um, a personal message, or they could go to josephpatrickfair.com. That's my website They can go to the bottom of the homepage there, put in their information. I will see that as a message on my website and I'll get back to them. So, either way, whichever is best, uh, LinkedIn or my website is the best way to connect with me.
0: That's perfect. So, for our last question, what's next on the horizon for Joseph Patrick Fair?
1: Well, I have uh, had a moderate amount of success and I have figured out that I get a lot more enjoyment out of seeing other people. Uh, get success also. Uh, right now, I would like to get a dozen people into my writing group and uh, work together, collaborate on some big project, and uh, hopefully uh, uh, build a big group of writers who could uh, someday uh, write a masterpiece.
0: I love that so much. I love that so much. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for coming to the Spiritual Spotlight series. It was amazing con- to connect with you today.
1: Hey, Rachel, it was my honor and uh, thank you for having me on. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you found the episode to be enlightening and insightful. Our goal is to create content that not only entertains, but also helps you grow spiritually and connect with your inner self. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, we would greatly appreciate if you could take a moment to like, subscribe, and write review. Your feedback is incredibly valuable to us and helps us to improve the quality of our content and to reach a wider audience. We believe that by sharing knowledge and insights about spirituality, we can help inspire positive change and personal growth. So if you found our podcast to be meaningful And informative, we encourage you to share it with your friends and family. Thank you once again for your support and for joining us on this journey of self discovery and spiritual growth. We look forward to sharing more episodes with you in the future.